Hi there and welcome back to the FFS podcast. I'm your host Pradi once again and this is part 2 of episode 7 of the MWF series. Now if you're just joining us here for part 2, I do recommend go listen to part 1. We uh, reviewed the Manchester derby uh, and I guess this whole episode is a derby day episode because yeah in part 1 we reviewed the Manchester derby in part 2 we're going to be reviewing the Milan derby. and as you can see oh well you can see it only if you're a member but uh we've got here the uh, an inter fan and a ac milan fan so we've got chintan who is a uh, ac milan fan he's not been on the podcast before and uh, i'm glad we could have him on here and uh, we've got parmeshwar who's a an inter milan fan he's been on the podcast before when we did a tier listing episode a few weeks ago uh it was pretty fun so we had him on here uh, and if you could yeah you could have watched that episode on youtube it was there so but yeah i mean i'm glad we could have them on here and it's like a small spoiler alert i think before we started recording this chintan clearly mentioned that this podcast could go well over an hour because i've got the, probably the two biggest seria spokespersons on this podcast today um and yeah i mean it's a derby day so i'm pretty sure there's even more to talk about but anyway let's start Let's probably rewind the clock now back 2 hours before the game ended so the team buses are entering the stadium the San Siro it's a shared stadium so i mean really doesn't matter which home i mean it's both your homes so enters the home stadium the team sheets are out and tinta what are your thoughts going into this like what did you make of the team sheets how confident were you going into the derby ah uh. Uh, see, uh, as it's always said, when it comes to the derby, the form book, uh, the team, everything is out of the window. You know, it doesn't really matter where you stand on the table, uh, what, uh, how, how much your players are in form. Doesn't really matter. So, of course, when it comes to the derby, you're a little nervous and pumped up. To be very honest, any Serie A fan or these matter, any football fan knows how huge a Milan derby is for the fans. Uh, it's an exhibition for world football you know how it was a decade ago it was probably one of the biggest pictures in the world football and it is still you know it's two of the most uh, passionate clubs you know going head to head with each other so yeah i was nervous but uh, how the team has been playing in the past few years uh, you're fairly confident but uh, you know only one thing is uh, you're fair, you're more confident as a milan fan i'm talking about the average But quite, I'm very confident when we play other teams. So when it comes to Inter Milan, it's really dicey because we've had a very poor record against them in uh, recent times. So when the team sheet was out, of course, Theo was our biggest. Uh, the guy was missing, you know, a red card, a stupid red card in the previous game. The game was in a bag. I don't know why I got such a team. You know, I think uh, as a player, you should know what your next match is. You know, especially a derby. You know, you mark it on your calendars. You know, so stupid red card. So. Theo missing was a huge, uh, a huge impact uh, for us, and not seeing him is a little worrisome because uh, his replacement isn't really doesn't really uh, you know give you confidence. So I was okay with the game. I was very happy to see Ibra start because you need that character uh, up front. So you know, to be honest, I was very happy uh, to see Korea uh, uh, not starting for Inter. I was actually more excited to see the Inter Milan uh, team sheet. Because uh, he has been a menace for AC Milan, you know, in recent times when he's been playing for Lazio, I was happy to not see him on the pitch. And 
somewhat happy to not see Vidal too. You know, he's a nuisance factor. You know, he's uh, he's a pain in the ass type of a player. So I was very happy. But yeah, overall, I was excited. Call me a pessimist. I'm a very optimist person. But call me a pessimist. My first thought when it comes to Derby is, please do not lose. You know, you do not want to lose this game because after having a huge lead, you know, I don't want to cut that lead short. Last year we went through the same process. So uh, without Conte, Simeone is here. So I'm like. This is the time where you have to solidify, you know, on your lead. No, don't give it up, you know. And of course, this small little thing of being unbeaten also plays a big role. So I didn't want to go into the break. I didn't want Inter Milan to break our, in the first team to beat us. So lot of thoughts, but uh, yeah, the excitement was. I think after the last derby when we saw Lukaku and Ibra going head to head, you know, the excitement levels are always there. And, and I could see other fans talking about it. You know, I got messages from everyone else. What are your thoughts? How pumped up are you? And you know, it's good to see. It's good for Serie. As you said, we are like Serie spokespersons. I'm very happy for Serie too because it's a big game. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Parmeshwar, your thoughts as well. Seeing the Inter Milan team sheet and also you know heading into this derby. Yeah. See, I mean, heading into the derby, I think pretty much everyone knows the form Napoli and Milan were in and are in in general. Like unbeaten only. Couple of draws now, uh, you know, even Napoli drew before the Milan derby, so it was kind of worrying in a way. Like I wasn't like nervous per se, but then you know I've seen the difference in this Milan team now. They're much more mature than last season, if you will. Uh, you know, you can see players like Calabria and even Brahim Diaz, you know, take more responsibility on the pitch. So I definitely had a feeling that this game would be tougher than the previous last season's derbies, at least. And you know, when I saw the eleven. My only, uh, let's say, doubt was that I mean, of course, Hakan had a good game eventually, but I would have still somewhere wanted Vidal to start because Vidal has been playing well in every game he's played so far. Like he's actually, you know, taken responsibility this season. You know, last season was horrible for him, and then since then he said that you know he will prove it, prove people wrong that, and he will play well. And since then, whenever he stepped onto the pitch, he's been exceptional. So, and. Uh, Probably that's where I wanted him to start, but then again I can't complain because Hakan actually had a good game. So you know it's a dilemma there. But other than that, I was pretty much satisfied with the starting eleven because you can't bench Lautaro Martinez, even though Korea is known as the AC Milan killer. So even their fans call him that. But then you know you can't start him because he's not ready to start. Like he's not gotten the proper you know let's say tactical adeptness of how we play yet. And apart from that, you can't start Denzel Dumfries because he's also not adapted to the team yet or how we play. So it had to be Darwin starting. It had to be Jeko starting and Lothar. And I was fine with the lineup otherwise. And that is our best eleven, you know. Uh, be it so. I, I mean, see, going into the match, like you know, as Chintan said, it was even though the like basically form goes out of the window. Even though yes, Milan are still unbeaten. There is there is. You know, somewhere in your mind, it's yeah. playing that yeah, you know, you can beat them because again, as Milan uh, Chintan pointed out, we have a better uh, derby record uh, with them. Like we have more head-to-head wins, and over the last four five seasons, if you see, we have been winning the derby more often than not. So somewhere down the line, you have that confidence that you know, yes, they are coming uh, in on good form. You can beat them, and that's what technically has happened in the past too. Like in the last two three seasons, they've come in good form, better than Inter, but then Inter has ended up beating them in the derby, coming into the derby. So I thought, you know, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, like a, uh, let's say, narrow win is possible, like a two-one win. But then, as the match progressed, you could see that the teams were very evenly matched on the pitch. Like, uh, so yeah, I mean, 
overall i mean i know we'll get to how the match panned out and everything but i think i'm satisfied with the result as well like to play the player team like milan on this form i think i would take a draw even though the gap is 7 points yeah i mean 7 points but it's second and third on the table right so mm-hmm. it's it's still i mean it's a match of vital importance even though it's still early in the season but like mm-hmm. chitter mentioned like you don't want to lose this game because for mm-hmm. for an ac milan fan you don't want to close have that gap closed down uh, mm-hmm. to i mean between inter and ac and for inter milan you don't want to be further off the points than you you are i mean even if it's not ac but against like napoli or someone like that so Yeah, I mean it's a huge I mean it was a game of huge proportions even though it was early in the season but funnily enough I think what Inter scored two goals but still ended up drawing the game right So it was it was uh, of course like we took the lead via uh, you I mean okay. it is contra yeah the lead the penalty that it was given yeah, was okay. Wait, I, I, I want to get your thoughts on that penalty let's not skip yeah. quickly past that so what did you think of was it a penalty So like i've been watching it a lot throughout the day like obviously once it happened during the game you can't go back and watch it constantly so i have been watching it so initial reaction no it was uh, no, it wasn't a penalty but then i've been listening to different justifications given by ex referees and what not in italy that's what they do in italy at least so while i feel that hakan kind of fouls kesia first or at least gets contact on kesia first first what hap- what what i believe the referee saw was that kesia's leg entangled hakan so i think he rather than focusing on hakan's arm and his legs contact he focused on kesia's legs first and that's where he ends up giving the penalty or the var whatever you will so i think that's where the miscommunication has happened but if you ask me i personally wouldn't give it as a penalty because like i felt that hakan got contact first on kesia but then again you have a debate whether hakan's contact was was it harsh or not or you know was yeah. it enough to bring kesia down so that is up for debate too but again from first instance instance what my first initial reaction when i was discussing with uh, my uh, friends who support milan as well they i did tell them it wasn't a penalty at that moment so that was my initial reaction but then again as i told you i didn't listen to various justifications by referees and that's what i can see what the referee saw but then again you know it mostly is a mistake in my opinion at least Okay, Chinta must be happy to hear that at least. Yeah, I, I to be very honest, uh, not just this game. I've been watching this league. Uh, I've been watching how the wrestling has been going on for a season or two. I generally feel that penalties have been super soft. Generally, you know, it's hmm. it's it's harsh on defenders. You know, come on, you can't. Uh, not just this game. I've been, uh, I've, I've been, I've been very honest about certain penalties Milan got last season. You know, you can't. Uh, a defense, a striker, or an attacker now looks for it, you know. So that mm. is a really harsh on defenders. They are defending. Uh, you can't have your arm. You can't extend. Of course, uh, it can't be extended. But there have been penalties given when your back has been facing and your arm, hit, you know, your back is facing and your it gets hit on your arm. What is the defender supposed to do? So generally, I think the penalty has been uh, it, it, it's a, it's ridiculous to be very honest. Uh, too many soft penalties have been given. When it comes to this decision, uh, what he, uh, what Parmeshwar said, I think uh, had Kesia gone down, uh, yeah. I think that would have yeah. been a foul. Yeah. yeah. But you know, sometimes you praise a player for not going down, uh, so it's a little difficult. Now, as a manager, I would tell my players, 
first contact go down like now as a defender also out stay after seeing this decision mm. just you get a push this fall down yeah so and i i feel it is a harsh penalty to be honest and uh, I, I, what i think is now uh, with attackers they look for it you know they mm. are looking uh, to uh, put pressure on a defender and a little mistake by a defender you know even if it's just uh, his hand hitting uh, his chest you know they just going to fall down they make it big and you know i i always feel when you watch it in slow motion everything looks bad yeah. but another opinion of mine is i feel every decision should be watched by a referee because i think his opinion is very important mm. okay from from uh, sitting up there as a var assistant i think that's a penalty but i feel a referee mm. should go and watch it himself every decision not just any penalty call should not we should not rely just on of course you can discuss it with them but i feel he should watch every call because he's a referee he knows he's seen the he's seen that moment live yeah so he knows exactly what's going on so after seeing that live if he sees that again on right. video he can correlate and then he can come to a conclusion whether it's uh, genuine or no you know epl has been doing it much better i think you know there are yeah. a few penalty calls which would have been penalty calls and you know what has happened nowadays audience are so used to anything hitting the arm with a penalty you know mm-hmm. there was a very stupid call during the game uh palenaka uh, tried to block that it hit halkan in his arm but his arm was in his body and people mm-hmm. are shouting penalty for what how is that a penalty is yeah, it going to cut his arm it's so stupid you know it's so bizarre yeah. how as a fan yeah. of course i've been watching football for 20 25 years now but as a fan our viewing is so limited that anything with the arm or you see a attacker fall down has to be a penalty <laughs> i think it's stupid no doubt the second penalty i think was a stone wall penalty in current yeah. time yeah. but the first one uh, very also hard. also to no, also but, to add yes yeah, sorry yeah, no i i was i wanted to, uh, like when you mentioned uh, kasia if he had fallen down i would, my thoughts went to exactly that when i saw the replay i was like had he fallen down it would have been a yeah. clear cut foul on on him by yeah. uh, akan but, but uh, I, they, uh, talk, as a, as a yeah. player as a player kasi is someone is physically huge mm. and he uh, you know some players take pride in how physically strong they are yeah. Yeah. he's yeah. never been the one you know since i've seen players pull him down literally you know hanging on it he just doesn't fall down which is i think which is amazing to be very honest in uh, modern day and time but yeah. uh, i i exactly i think had he just gone down on the ground this wouldn't have been a penalty yeah. but again yeah. i also, feel stupid also, for him to hold the ball for so long yeah. i feel also, when you're playing such a high pressure game mm. at darby you are the last man i know he's good with the ball on his feet and he knows how hakan works too they both know how each other work so i yeah. think hakan somewhere back at the head knew that kesi is not the one who's going to trip easily so mm. i guess it's just mind game also i think to add to what chintan said see uh, kesi held on to the ball way too long like the first thing he should have done is pass out but he took a step forward forward in order to you know dribble with the ball that's when hakan saw that there was no option for him to pass or you know go past hakan himself yeah. so hakan pressed him immediately and then that's when kesia got his got his body around and so you know yes of course it in my opinion as i said it wasn't a penalty but then kesia kind of you know with his clumsiness you know kind of you know made a blunder there in a way but then again you know hakan made the most of it eventually you know Uh, yeah. the whole the whole the focal point of that was their legs you know entangling with each other and i think that's what they just focused on and just to add to chintan's point like you know 
over the last month especially the, the, the refereeing in seria has been horrendous like i've seen such weird calls being given uh inter versus juventus dumfries barely gets a touch on alexandro and they give it a penalty for juventus because of course they I mean, have to <laughs> yeah. another thing is the same penalty wasn't given to roma and villa exactly yeah exactly so i don't think these fouls how is a diff- I, I, as a as a as a guy as a football fan why would i tell my son to become a defender it's horrendous it's like mm. ridiculous you just are like a robot you're just there <laughs> i mean what that, i think for a I think a few years ago Serie A had like some insane number of penalties given like yeah, nearly yeah, 60% yeah. of last, all the goals go. Last, season, last yeah. season itself last season yeah. itself it's been the highest because so, the thing is that sentence yeah sorry go ahead bro. No, no I'm saying that in, in comparison like that's why I think the Premier League this year uh, hmm. is kind of now become a lot more stricter and said that hmm. it we won't take any sort of like falls so it they've actually yeah. increase the threshold so that's why yeah. there are few fewer penalties but we were heading in the same direction as you guys i mean yeah. every small little nigger uh, foul yeah. would you, you you know and people like like you take sala and anyone any small touch and he would take you would go for it because you're getting yeah, the of course chance of course. uh but but i want to ask chinta about hakan celebration because this is obviously a slightly controversial thing What did you make of it? Because this is like a direct move. Yeah, it is. Uh, see, uh, this is like a, 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 you know uh, an ex-lover, you know, going to the going moving on to someone else, and you know, just shoving it in the face of the ex. Uh, yeah, I am generally of an opinion where, uh, of course, we have someone who's done the same to Inter Milan, which is Latam. You know, he did that after scoring that penalty against Julio Cesar. He did that. I'm not a I'm not a fan to be very honest. I'm not saying don't celebrate. Okay, sometimes uh, some players are you know they just the instinct is to celebrate. So yeah. I'm not saying don't celebrate your goal. Of course, you scored an important goal for a team. Celebrate mm-hmm. and especially a game of this magnitude, uh, do celebrate. And I I I know sometimes players do have certain uh, certain negative negativity towards the ex club. You know how things ended. Totally understandable. You know that that feels over time. Right? happens all the time uh that was rubbed in the face of the fan base that was after you supported you throughout he's been through some really bad personal uh, issues too his wife he was going through a very tough time with his wife almost got divorced uh the fans stood by him he got letters from fans no the things what the fans i think you shouldn't forget this just because you had some uh, certain demands which we didn't live up to and you moved on Okay, fine. You scored amazing, and and it did look like he wanted that penalty because of spite. You know, it was very obvious. I didn't expect him to take that penalty. I thought Lautaro will take it, although he's been poor on penalty. And if he had been the regular penalty taker, he would have taken the second one too. You know, so it was clearly something. I don't, I don't, I'm okay with it. If you want to give it to your uh, previous club, it's fine. But I'm, I'm not up with the celebration of mm. uh, riling up. No doubt, see, you're going to get booed. Emotional. Yeah. Fans uh, invest a lot, especially uh, of course, Parmesan knows how Italian fans are. They invest their life yeah. in it. You know, <laughs> you see the choreography which they had yesterday. They spent 24 hours on it, one to three, two hundred people on the street just to make that spectacle for two minutes. That's it. You know, lot of lot of it goes behind, and then someone does that. It's absolutely ridiculous. Even uh, Gigi Donnarumma was good a lot. He cried when he went in during half time, but his post match interview still and. 
uh, was still decent. You know, he still said Milan is my life. Milan has always been my heart, and the fans did melt a little bit. You know, some of them did send in sorry messages to him. So, ah, it's bitter taste, you know. And plus, but he's that one kind of a player who is uh, a little emotionally driven. You know, mm. uh, someone who would react this way. I think I expected that. Uh, but to, to be very honest, the way he took that penalty was very. I mean, I, I was pretty sure he was going to score because he was quite uh, driven. Uh, he was quite. Uh, he won the penalty, and to be very honest, before that penalty, Milan were all over Inter. At least for the first, we were dominating, and it just came out of nowhere. You know, as a fan, I thought the foul was called on Kessi. I thought, okay, chalo, let's have a goal kick, let's move on, and it was just a penalty. So it was uh, a bitter taste, yeah. man. I am not of a fan. Yeah. Uh, all right. So. A few minutes after that, of course, Inter score again, but this time in the back of the own net. But I, I suppose I initially thought it was Tomori, but it ended up being De Vrij who, who headed it into his own goal. Uh, but after that, Parmesho, how did you see the match pan out? Because it seemed pretty on equal footing since then. I mean, in terms of possession, in terms of shots, it seemed almost equal. But I felt like Inter maybe had a few more clearer chances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, what did you make of the, the rest of the game? Yeah, so like after, of course, uh, Tataro Sanu saved Lotharo's penalty. Like, first of all, I mean, I don't know what was the reasoning behind changing our penalty taker midway through the game because, he, like, statistic, statistically speaking, uh, Hakan has the highest conversion rate in the sport, which is around 86%. So he should have taken it again, as simple as that. And he knows Tataru Sanu pretty much, you know. So he should have taken it. And Lotaro, you know, he had this moment in the 1920 season where Lukaku gave him a penalty and he did the exact thing. He took a low shot and it was saved. And we ended up losing to Bologna, that was. So I don't see the point of Lotaro taking it in the first place. And yes, he hadn't scored for a month. So probably that was the reason behind it. So that he gets a goal, signed his extension recently. So he probably gets his confidence back. And whatnot. So yeah, but after that, as you said, after Devray scored, uh, if you notice, as Inzaghi said also in his post-match conference, that first 20 minutes it was AC Milan mostly, as Chintan pointed out. But after that, you see Barella had a chance, which Balotelli yeah. cleared off the line. Uh, then you know, I think it was uh, yeah, it was Lotharo to which came past just two inches past the post, and Tataru Sanu was rooted to the spot. We had a lot of chances. I think the difference maker there was was Barella in a way because he kept driving with the ball constantly. And I think I think after that whole penalty saga, Kessie was a bit I wouldn't want to say like rattled per se. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but you could see him out of position at times. I think, and I think that's where we got the better of them. And I think the best thing we could do is that we didn't let Zlatan get into the game a lot because he's always scored in the derby, Della Madonna, like against Inter, uh, of course. So. Uh, I think that that's the best thing we could do because, you know, with his tall presence, he can just lay off one pass to someone. Or, he did you know, almost, right? Yeah, he almost did. Yeah, he almost like, did. I mean, then, he edited, it, but they didn't score. Yeah, exactly. But that was pretty much it. And he had the, he had that one chance in the second half, which he probably should have scored, you know, from inside the box, which he just blasted it past the goal. But that's what, you know, apart from that, we didn't let him get into the game. I think Devranj Trinyar, other than that, did a pretty good job on him. But and and I was very happy with how Leao was uh, uh, you know contained throughout the game because Leao has been probably their top two players so far this season. You know, just amazing form. You know, I I was worried about Leao coming into the match because I thought he's gonna probably get the better of Darmian overall because of his pace and you know skillful ability on the ball. So, but but again, Darmian did a good job. I think this match, if you want me to sum it up, was a, you could say that it was 
a match wherein you know per team dominated in phases so in the first 20 you had milan obviously and i think after that it was us and in the second half you could say it started with us and then it ended with milan because the way they ended that second half was i thought we had pretty much lost the game after you know salamakas hit the post and then yeah. kc i i thought kc had scored like before the moment he touched the ball i thought that's a goal like i i thought shit i was like what the hell man and then i was like what has he even done like I, i legit thought the moment the ball touched his feet that's a goal like i had already given up you know like because handanovic is not in in form he's regressed so i was pretty convinced that handanovic won't save it i was like shit and then he just blasted it past right i was like we were lucky and i think that's where our you know the ironic ironic bit is that i was calling for substitutions to be made earlier because milan were bringing on fresh pressure legs and what not i was call, calling for korea to come on as early as the 55th minute but inzaghi just kept on stalling it but the biggest mistake i think inzaghi made was he brought everyone on too late because since vidal came on korea came on dimarco came on all of them looked really shaky like our our shape pretty much was distorted after that and you know milan made us pay almost for that you know uh, barella got injured i think that's where we also had our downfall uh, he went off with a hamstring injury and yeah i think overall in my opinion the, as i said the game was pretty even and you know i think 1-1 in a way is a fair result overall but all right chitta talking about the save from uh, the milan goalie and i'm, I'm not going to even try and pronounce it tatar tatar tatarusano yeah that that's him that's him uh, so how important was that because that essentially was probably the difference between a draw and you know losing one point and Uh, Milan Inter closing the gap in the points table. Of course, I mean there were chances from either side. Barella, like Parmesan mentioned, the Cassia shot later on. But how important was that to keep the game tied? And at the end of the, uh, what, what's the gap now in the table? Like seven. Uh, seven. So yeah. So seven how important points, was all that? Ah, first of all, uh, after uh, losing Donnarumma. You know, to uh, get a keeper of his caliber was, anyways, always hard to find. You know, to replace someone as big as him, even yeah. not just figuratively, even size-wise. You know, uh, but we got Mike Mignon, and he won the French League too. And people mm-hmm. had not heard of him a lot, but since the time, till the time he got injured, I think he was one of the best keepers in Serie A already. Ah, you know? so he's injured. So I, I, All right, I, I was wondering yeah. why. Yeah, I thought it was that he got mine. You no, know, he got injured after the Liverpool game in the UCL. Oh yeah, okay, okay. So, so uh, he got uh, injured, and uh, after we lost him, and uh, we were pretty much shattered because Tatar Sanu has been a little uh, shaky, and his pre-season uh, friendly, he we played him against Valencia. Ah, uh, for love of God, he just couldn't move. You know, it was so static, and penalty saves were the last thing I thought like he would do. So, and uh, you know, like low on confidence. And we signed another keeper after Mike got injured. So just imagine what that does to your confidence as your second mm. keeper. You know, you the team is going out and signing someone else who is a free agent. So just imagine, it just shows where you stand. And uh, the, the he started a few games, you're a little shaky. But this, I I think uh, uh, as what the importance is probably as good as I, I feel it felt like a victory. You know, that save. Uh, when it comes to uh, how the game was heading, we gave a mm. second penalty. Uh, by that time, Inter after scoring, we scored. You know, we gave gave it back immediately. And Milan was still uh, pretty much uh, 
not only ascendancy but you are pretty much dead in the game and then you concede another penalty you know it's demoralizing and yeah. uh, especially for someone who's a theo backup you know for a, a smoke player and you saw the penalty was a stupid blunder you know how can you yeah. turn around like that so you know that one pen i feel that changed the morale of the team completely you know because this take i think uh, let's be honest as a player also sometimes you think ah shit that's it you know like this is done again and mm. you know we as parmeshwar said we thought it be hakan again and hakan has of course played with tatra sami you know exactly. so we thought ah shit this is it you know two one down you know to chase the game especially derby it's pretty hard you know i i felt that was the biggest point plus point of the season you know after losing mike minion we don't know when mm. it's going to be back and you know this might be the turning point for milan Mm. The keep, uh, my biggest spot has been the keeper's spot, you know, because what Donnarumma has given us for the past two, three seasons, yeah. he literally kept us afloat. You know, because we lose someone in the in the goal, you know, he commands the defense. You know, he was quite quiet, and after that, we saw he's just guiding the players. You know, just telling them where to go. You know, calling his calling was so loud and clear, even with the noise. You know, so I feel it in hindsight, it's amazing for the rest of the season because I don't think we'll see Mike Minion till mm. January. Mm. Oh, it's after that the way uh, you know the the team morale was lifted you know to find we're still in this game you know we still haven't lost it and i'm telling you it does play a big role because you could see the body language you know we played juventus and milan looked like we've been playing juventus every week you know it's okay we're going to beat them but you could see the little skeptical because we're playing inter milan and we haven't had a good record all these small small things do play in your head when you have that penalty saved you know it's demoralizing for the opposition so yeah. what the hell are we supposed to do to get past a second keeper too you know and then you know it starts saying ah hakan should have taken it you know so all the atlas lautaro missed the chance after that you know that play small small thing does play in your head you know uh, and as uh, parmeshwar said kesi looked completely off in the first half you know i think was you was a little that is because he's the one who holds the ball passes mm. you know then he wanted to get rid of the ball very fast because he got really scared you know uh, overall i think big i think it was the biggest turning point of the mm. game uh, that had that gone in Inter would have sat back easily. We just waited for counters, and probably we would have seen an Inter victory. All right, fair enough. Now let's talk about the consequences of this game. And Chinta, like the Champions League isn't going the greatest. You not had the greatest sort of campaign there. Uh, of course, it's tough in the group of death. But even so, I mean, it's not been the great. I, I think the draw against Porto was your first points for this campaign. Yeah. But mm. is that in a way a Like a boon because now you can come. I mean, the Champions League predominantly gone, so you can just give your entire focus to the Serie A league campaign because you're you're tied, I think, with Napoli right now, and so this is your probably the best chance with Inter not having Conte, Juventus struggling and having their whatever training camp in there or whatever the, you know they stay overs in the training grounds yeah. and all of that. Uh, Napoli is probably the the biggest rivals there. Uh, Roma is up and down, so I mean. Focus it, now it, fully on the. Yeah, I, I think uh, of course uh, you know as a Milan fan, uh, no one wants, uh, no one wants you to sacrifice the Champions League now because it's it's been our uh, uh, shining light. You know, yeah. it's always been one thing as a Milan fan we boasted about, not just Serie A. You know, just worldwide. You know, we've been in the down and the dump for almost a decade, and we still team the. Second most Champions League titles, you know, it is something which ideally you would not want to part ways from, and of course you do live in the bubble also. 
we've been playing well in the league, but when you of course do face the bigger teams, uh, I think we were a bit unlucky in uh, the games there, Atletico Madrid and even the Porto game, the previous one, uh, the the away one. I think we were a bit unlucky. So overall, I, I feel like yeah, let's not finish third, let's finish fourth. Inter did the same thing last season. Milan lost their wheels. We were unbeaten top of the table, winter champions. <laughs> we lost our wheels, Europa. You know, so that happens, you know, and Inter just had the league to look out for. And right now, to be very honest, I feel win the league, that should be our focus. Champions League, even if we do qualify, uh, injuries have been a really, really, really big thing for us in the past two seasons, you know. And I think that you could see that, you know, and I was pretty much surprised Liao has been playing so well because he's been playing literally every three days for 90 minutes. He's been our most creative player. And uh, to be very honest, uh, uh, that's what we saw yesterday from Liao was, I feel fatigue talking. Not just him, the Mori, Calabria, they've been playing non-stop. We've got no break, literally. You know? Yeah. So, that we need that because injuries are going to happen. This is COVID time. We, got two players. we just got players coming back from COVID. So, I think get off Champions League, I'll be okay with it. It's hurtful, but uh, it's okay. You know, last year Inter did that. They won the league. Come in part one, you get a better... Uh, you get a better group, you know, fortunately. Exactly, but, yeah. I mean, it, it only builds for the future. I know right now, it, you may not have the best of Champions League campaigns, but get get to the, win the league, you build yeah, your group. Even even the squad, even the squad is, uh, you know, experienced. You know, after playing in Liverpool, we had two, three players out with muscle injury. Uh, probably that, we've been playing the stressing game in uh, Serie A. Not many teams do that except Atlanta. Yeah. And when you play yeah. against a team, a clock team, you know, so, we did surprise a few Liverpool players, Liverpool fans too. You know, that you don't expect uh, Milan to just turn up and score two goals. Yeah, yeah, although yeah, we yeah. were quite fairly beaten. But uh, I think we were still there in the game. So the fear was always there. But then, you know what happened after that game? We played Juventus. And that game, we could see half of players were literally dead by half time Because we've never played a team with that intensity. So, yeah. you know, this experience will help them. Look at Inter Milan. They're so calm. This season in the Champions League. They, they were frantic last season, to be very honest. That loss at San Siro against Real Madrid was unfortunate. I don't think they deserve to lose that game. Even this season, they should have beaten Real Madrid, I feel. But, you know, it sometimes happens. You know, you're frantic. You are panicking because you need that win. You're not calm, you know. Of course, I don't, you can't have 20-year-old kids playing Champions yeah. League the first season and show up at Anfield and get all three points. But this is this is what I'm talking about. This is where you're little spoiled being a Milan fan because you've had Champions League glory days. So, I'll be happy to take the fourth spot. Five in the league, that's it. All right. And uh, Parmesha, for Inter, what's the next steps now for... Because it's obviously... I suppose, you'd given the penalty, you'd look at it as two points lost. You only... I mean, rather than a point gained here. But, uh, you know, what are the next steps for Inzaghi? Like, how does he go about, you know, get challenging the top two? See, uh... You know, when the season began and when our squad was officially kind of complete, we knew what players we had and who was not going to leave and who was going to leave and whatnot. You know, we've lost three big players, Lukaku, Hakimi and Eriksen, to his heart issues. So, that's a big blow. You know, you can't, uh, in my opinion, at least in amongst the fan base, you can't expect a new coach on top of three major losses to immediately win the league again. I don't think it's easy, especially when... Others have strengthened. If you see, like, yes, I know Roma have their ups and downs, but then 
Jose Mourinho is going to be right there to cause problems here and there. Even if he's <laughs> not going to win the league, yeah. you will have Allegri. You know, again, he might not be the favorite to win the league, but then, you know, his Juventus team is going to be right up there. They're not going to slack off. You know, Napoli have one of the best squads in the league. One of the most, let's say, with the best, like probably the second best in terms of quality and depth. And then you obviously have AC Milan adding adding depth to their squad this season. So in a season where the where everyone else has become more competitive. I don't I know I know you know as a as a defend as a defending champion it's kind of the responsibility for us to at least try until the end which I'm sure we will we will be there somewhere or somewhere some way or the other but then you know I won't be really uh, upset if we don't win the league this season I just want top 4 because again you know Conte and Inzaghi while Inzaghi for me is a good coach he's an up and coming coach and Conte has been there and done that he's won the league with Juventus you know dragged them out of seventh spot won the league You've seen what he has done with Chelsea in an era where it was really difficult to do so. Made Marcos Alonso and Victor Moses look like uh, gods for some reason. Like you know, so you know mm-hmm. that's the difference. You know, Inzaghi still needs to find at, at Inter, as they say, as the fans say, there's the right, there's the need for right balance to be found because we've already conceded way too many goals. Um, you know, silly goals. You know, we have a goalkeeping problem. You know, as much as a club legend Handanovic is, he's just past it. He can't save simple shots directed at him. so you know that's another problem and then you know these things take time so you know the direction would be you know to continue you know with all due respect to the mid table and bottom table teams to continue getting the points versus them because so far versus the big teams we've not won uh, we've lost to lazio and drawn with everyone else but then again at this point of last season when we won the league it was the same thing we hadn't picked up any points versus the big teams so you never know the only difference as i said is that others are way better than what they were last season so what you saw in winter last season wherein inter stormed the league later on you know got past ac milan juventus and others atalanta whoever you want to put might not be the case this season you know i think milan have the depth to sustain it longer let's see how long same for napoli because we can't forget the africa cup of nations will also be coming around yeah napoli 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 uh, will be losing four players immediately the best man osimen will be gone then uh milan will have of course kessie gone uh, you know and i think if a uh, uh, benasser as well so and fode balo but again he's not a starter but you know but then again milan have the depth to cover for it they have bakayoko they have krunic playing well so it it depends it really depends now you know as chintan said with milan it's also the injuries as well right because they they constantly keep getting injuries and from what my friends keep telling me is that they're frustrated with their medical stuff itself so you you have to keep an eye out for that and yeah i mean you know there is only so much for us we can drop against the big teams because at the end of the day head to head matters in the end it's the seria mm-hmm. you have to look at head to head records that, that it, the, you know you never know the league title may come down to head to head record right so you know as things stand i'll be happy if if we make it to the like if we seal the top 4 i'm more than happy with that because because then as i think chintan pointed for milan i think this season can again be a season where we build and then go for the title next season because Come on, we've lost three big players and we've replaced them with players who are not you like barring Korea. Dumfries is not used to Serie A. Uh, you know, Hakan again. Hakan is used to it, but then he's not used to this system again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and same for Korea. Like he's he kind of has his moments in his games, but he's not a consistent starter. So these things, I'm allowed. I'm I'm fine with these things taking time to adapt. So I mean, yeah, I mean, again, after the break, we have Napoli. 
then you know we have to make sure now that we win that game because again we've not beaten any big team so far so there my point being is that we have to start beating the big teams at some point it can't be you know we get a draw be satisfied and say that we'll beat the rest of the teams and be there even if we beat napoli i can like you know and again i'm not going to say that the title run is over so soon like you know it's only been 12 games <laughs> but 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 as our ceo said yesterday you know let's have a closer look after the first half which is 19 games but pradyum it has to be versus napoli because i know they are you know they are the probably the best team right now on form you know, you know along with milan obviously but can't afford not beating them at this point like because that can be the start of something because that is what like you know yes as chintan said we got got knocked out of the champions league last season but yeah. what set us apart last season was that we just beat every big te- big team that came in front of us we beat juventus once we beat lazio once we beat milan of course we beat atalanta as well like you know we could yeah. at least beat them once all of them without mm. any without any hesitation when we beat them so you know there are no two ways about it you know and you know i've seen some fans say that you know this team doesn't have the mentality per se but it's not that what conte instilled has just been forgotten it's going to be there with the team it's up to inzaghi and the squad to find the right balance eventually so i mean i, I do feel we are going to be there but as i said before the season began as well i do feel milan or napoli have it this year i feel milan more than napoli just because i think milan have a more i would say complete depth in all areas because i don't trust napoli's full back situation apart from di lorenzo and mario rui so and the goalkeeping situation as much as well and from what i've seen of with milan this season no matter how many injuries they've had uh, especially versus the match in the match versus juventus they still ended up drawing juventus so i think i think it's their year this time and i i'm, I'm just happy with top 4 you know like top 4 is more than enough for me All right. I mean, it's not every day that you hear an Inter Milan fan say that uh-huh. this is the year for Milan, AC Milan. Yeah. But here you have it. Yeah. Uh, but all right. So I guess that's all the time we have for this particular review. So thank you, Chintan and uh, Parmeshwar, for coming on here and giving your thoughts on this Milan derby. Hopefully, we can have you on here for the return leg whenever sure, that sure. is, yeah. uh, so you can get your thoughts on that as well. But until then, I mean, all the best to your teams, and I can't wait to host you in the near future on the podcast, whether it be for this. sort of uh, review or we have our other series where we sure, sure. either do other stuff so yeah can't wait to have you on there so sure, sure. awesome awesome so thank you to those of you listening to this podcast that's about it for part 2 of episode number 7 of the MWS series uh, if you have listened to this on the audio podcast you can go check out our previous episodes as well you can do that on spotify google podcast apple podcast pandora amazon music you name it we're probably there Uh, if you want to watch the video version of this, I do recommend you go check out our Patreon page because it's only available for members. So you can watch the entire video version on this on YouTube if you are a member of the podcast. Uh, we've got different tiers, different benefits for each of those tiers. Uh, the video is actually available for all members, so go check it out. Uh, helps the podcast as well be financially stable and get us better equipment and all of that. So I guess that's about it for this particular podcast. Uh, and that's about it for part 2 and with end of part 2 it also ends the entire episode 7 which is yeah we've reviewed two, two derby so it's exactly the derby episode and i'll catch you all soon i'm your host pradi once again you stay safe and see you <laughs>